Welcome to New City Church's podcast, and specifically our Faith and Mental Health series. We are a small, non-denominational church in Nashville, Tennessee, practicing the way of Jesus together. For more information about who we are, what we do, and some resources for your faith, you can check us out at newcitynash.com. In this series, we will be discussing emotions, mental health, and how they intersect with our faith. We hope this conversational format will shed some light on the intricacies of what it is to be human and to live in the already, not yet, tension of the kingdom of God. A quick disclaimer, we are not therapists and we do not recommend that these conversations substitute as therapy. We are not experts in these topics, just people who have lived and struggled with some of these same things and have often wondered what it means for our walk with Jesus. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Welcome to this episode of our podcast on Jesus and mental health. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anxiety and fear. Is there a difference between anxiety and fear? And what does Jesus have to say about those things? Or does he say anything? Hope you enjoy. Let's hop right in. Yeah. All right. So open up. Carly, what are you afraid of? Let's just get right on and into it. (laughs) Okay. So... My husband's going to make fun of me for saying this when he hears this because he claims that I've never said this before, but I am afraid of leeches and I have been since I was a kid. I didn't know I was afraid of those until you mentioned it. Right? I started like... Yeah, my body literally reacts to like a creature that can like latch to you and then like... A vampire bug. Yeah, it's... Ugh. mm -mm. I don't know if I like... I think I read it in some kind of book like they used to use it. Mm, yeah, to suck out like toxins or something for yeah. medical treatment. In my head, it's linked to Clara Barton somehow. So I feel like maybe I was learning about the Red Cross and Clara Barton. And then she, I don't know. That might not be the case, but somehow I found out about leeches. I've never actually encountered them in the wild because, mm. you know, I'm very into wild in nature. Um,. <laughs> And extreme <laughs> conditions. So <laughs> classic Carly. <laughs> leeches. Anyway, All yeah, right. The concept of leeches freaks me out. I, I I wouldn't have even thought about leeches, but now that you mention them, yeah, they're pretty freaky. I'm, I'm scared of spiders. Okay. Is my thing. I used to not be that scared. And to be clear, I'm not the person that's like scared and just like runs away. That's like a tarantula or something. I'm the person that I see it and it's gotta die. It needs to go back where it came from. Which is hell. Kind of kidding. I think the Lord made them, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. But it started because, like, so uh, my my mom years ago um, got bit by a black widow. My mom's had crazy stuff with spiders. And we were in a restaurant in Florida, um, and my sister saw a black widow on my mom's neck. And me and my she started yelling. My sister did. And my brothers and I were like, shut up. Like, be quiet. Like, no, you're making a fool of yourself. And so we, like, left the building because we were really embarrassed. Come to find out it actually was a black widow, and it actually did bite my mom, and my mom got sick. And so since then, I kid you not, all of my brothers are, including me, are afraid of spiders. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Because there are spiders, and then there's, like, poisonous spiders. Yeah, I don't like big spiders, too. No. Yeah, I've been been some places and seen, like, those big tarantulas and stuff, and, like, rather see a snake i think i have this weird relationship with bugs where i'm scared of them but you also like to eat them ew no (laughs) um no (laughs) um but i will not kill them because i feel bad for them i get that i make daniel kill them (laughs) that's that's what my wife anna does for me too she's like there's a spider kill it i'm like all right i want it dead i don't want it to know what's here i want it gone and yeah. But then I feel bad sometimes. So I'm like, just get it on a piece of paper and throw it outside. I just don't want it in my house. Like the Harry Potter scene, uh, you know, where there's that, what's the name of that big spider? Air... Aragog. Aragog. Terrifying. Like, forget him who, he who shall not be named. Like, don't give me Aragog. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with that. Well. 
I I'm, think J.K. Rowling probably realized a lot of people have a fear of spiders. Mm, yeah. And put that in there for that reason. I wonder if she's laughing about that. J.K., she's rolling on the floor laughing. Never mind, I missed that joke I'm scared entirely. of that. <laughs> <laughs> scared of my dumb jokes. Uh, I'm also afraid of... Um, this is going to sound weird because I have tattoos. I'm, I have like kind of a fear of like piercing. Oh. Like something, like a needle going through part of me and coming out the other. Like coming. You don't have like a piercing though, do you? I don't. Okay. I thought about it at different times in my life, but I don't. Okay. Um, sorry, mom, if you're watching. <laughs> but. Sorry for thinking about it. <laughs> sorry for thinking about it. <laughs> and never acting But like, on I it. mean, you wouldn't maybe think that because I have like several tattoos. I'm like, that's fine. I'm not afraid of shots or needles. Like, that's not what it is. It's like the idea of like something going like in like my ear or somewhere and out the other side and making a hole hmm. is like a little freaky to me huh. not so much that I couldn't conquer it if I really wanted to but okay um yeah yeah I'm the opposite because I've gotten my ears pierced and I used to have my nose pierced but um tattoos freak me out like I, I could not not like the actual <laughs> tattoos the process of getting a tattoo yeah that's fair that makes more sense to me yeah but that's the thing about fear, right? It's not always, sometimes it's logical, but it's not always logical because at least for me, I've tried to talk myself out of being afraid of some things and you can't always do that. Uh, what types of things do you think, if you think about like the West, think about the US, what do you think people are afraid of? Clowns, I mean, maybe. <laughs> oh, you mean like. No, serious stuff too. I'm just kind of okay. joking about clowns. Okay. Yeah, people are really freaked out of clowns. It's like a thing. I don't know. Yeah, Slender Man. I don't get that one, but yeah, people are freaked out of clowns. Um, but I think, hmm. What do I think clowns are afraid of? Public speaking. Yeah, that's a number one. I don't know if it's number one fear, but it's it's high up there. Top. Yeah. Um. Heights. Hmm. I'm afraid of heights if I'm not strapped into something. Sure. Um, I don't know. I was thinking through like we are such like a visual culture, so like looking a certain way, like not looking attractive enough, maybe, mm. or like not yeah. looking or looking stupid. But I say that, and there's all kinds of like TikToks and stuff where people are purposely looking stupid. So maybe that's not a fear, but like... Or is that a way of conquering your fear? Yeah, maybe. For some people, like, I think about like uh, Finstas. Do you remember those? Yes. Uh, no, I don't know what that is. Okay, that's like a... S I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have one, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I mean, I think sometimes people also post those kind of embarrassing things or whatever as a way of like conquering that and like all right well i'm gonna go from the opposite end of like always caring to like i'm gonna show that i don't care that's true and so i wonder if that's also and for some people at least a way of conquering that fear of like looking stupid or dumb or um i think people are afraid of i mean if we're talking about the enneagram uh there's a range of different things people are afraid of being wrong people are afraid of uh, not being loved or wanted. People are afraid of not accomplishing enough or failing. People are afraid of like not being unique, um, of not knowing, of uh, people leaving, of um, sadness, of dark emotions, of like, I mean, a whole range of things. Um, in addition to afraid of like legitimate things that are going on in people's lives that like are dangerous and are scary. Um, yeah, I think people are afraid of a lot of things. Um, fear of failure, fear of what people think. Fear of people discovering who you really are. Maybe just because you don't, you're afraid of who you are. Maybe you're afraid of certain parts within you, you know? What would happen if this ever came out? Yeah. Or even on the flip side, like fear of never being seen and never being known. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And people respond to those differently, right? Yeah. How do you think, you know, I, I think when we talk about anxiety and fear and mental health, you can't have the conversation without talking about media and the internet and social media. How do you think that plays into fear and anxiety? 
Well, I think a lot of things. I think a lot of times socials and technology usage can lead to isolation. Hmm. So it's kind of like your brain thinks that you know what's going on in someone's life Hmm. by getting their highlight reels or seeing what they're doing. But you're not actually talking to that person or maybe having face-to-face interaction. Um, So I think that's part of it, like isolation and... I was actually thinking about this a lot yesterday, but how we're like kind of a back porch society and a Mm. highlight reel society. So like, even when we have conversations, we're often like, give me the bylines of your life. And then we're like, bye, I got to go do this thing because we're so hurried and Mm. so busy. So Mm. I think, I think it all goes hand in hand, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder, even going back to what you were, we were saying earlier about people posting online, like them doing stupid stuff or whatever, like that even is still a highlight reel, mm-hmm. like something wild or crazy. It's not like what most of life is, mm-hmm. which is just like being yeah. there or, you know, responding to an email kind of stuff, like not super exhilarating or noteworthy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think too, like, I mean, classic example or would be like fear mongering and people like actually playing off people's fear. Um, I was reading a book uh, recently uh, by, I think his name was Jaron Lanier called 10, uh, 10 Arguments or 10 Reasons to Delete Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Hmm. And it reads like a manifesto, so it's pretty, you know, direct. Um, but he talks about how social media isn't moving us left or right. It's just moving us collectively down. That Mm. the goal of like the apps and the algorithms is not like to contribute to a better society. It's just to make you stay on them longer. And so, so like if something causes a big emotional rise within somebody, including fear, it triggers that and wants to keep people on. And so it like based on the algorithm, which is like if people are engaging in it, we're going to keep pushing this forward. Right. They keep pushing forward things that are like dicey, things that are. Uh, fear-mongering things that are all that um, you know and that's the maybe more extreme example and there's plenty of evidences of people like legitimately playing into that um, politics and a whole range of other stuff but there's also like um, just being able to see what other people are doing that leads to a fear of I'm not enough or fear I don't look good enough FOMO, FOMO a whole range of things I don't have enough followers fear of like I'm not good enough whatever it is uh, also like I mean, that's with comparison, but then um, also just like, I don't think we're designed to know all the things because we can't. And with today's day and age, like you turn on the news or social media or whatever, and it's like all this terrible stuff that's going on around in the world. And it's, I think, generally like good to be informed to some extent, but oftentimes like if you're seeing all this crazy stuff that's happening everywhere, most of the things you're hearing, you're literally not doing anything about. It's just affecting your emotional well-being. Um, and if it's not leading to action, I don't know that I have like a solid answer on what we're supposed to do with that, but I, I certainly know it increases anxiety um, and fear. Yeah, I mean, because we're brand new into it. So yeah. um, the age of information or the age of technology, literally 2007 when the first iPhone came out is when it all just... Exploded. Exploded. And so, like, for me, I was... I didn't have an iPhone until, like, midway through college, mm. which was after that year. But I just... Re- I remember what life was like before having access constantly to your socials like you'd have to even if i had social media i would have to log into like an actual computer to look at it um do you remember when you were like maybe you weren't like this but why would anybody want to get that on their phone what would you do did you feel that um maybe i remember it being super expensive when it first came out Mm. so i think my mind was like who's who our age is like able to afford this? Like sure. whose parents are getting them this phone? Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think because it's like yeah, I can just get on my computer or my yeah. laptop or yeah, I guess yeah. And even now, I I will scroll through its social media and be like, I don't even I didn't even learn anything. Like I don't care. But I'm on it. You know, it's like so addictive. Mm-hmm. And it's designed to be so. Yeah. 
I was also thinking of like the FOMO thing, the fear of missing out, because it's like something in your brain goes, I just saw three different people from like three completely different eras of life, but they're all at the beach. Everyone's at the beach right now. Mm. I'm not at the beach. You know, it's like this false yeah. narrative that is so easy because mm. your brain is like making these connections. Yeah. And even that like leads to this like wanting, like mm. I am missing something. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. One of the ones I think that, uh, I don't know if you feel this or not, but I think uh, millennials and Gen Z, I noticed this in particular. I noticed this in myself, a fear of like not saying enough when something is wrong in the yes. world or of saying the wrong thing and the trying to find that discernment of like, where's, is it for me to be slow to speak? Uh, do I need to speak? Do I need to listen? Do I need to just not contribute to the yelling? Or do I need to be that voice? And, and I think there's a fear for a lot of people, maybe subconscious of like, I need to be online in particular, like an activist about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may or may not always translate into like action past like social media activism which has its place. I'm not against it um, entirely. But yeah, it's it's social media plays into it a lot. Honestly, I, we probably need to have a whole just conversation around the internet and media and mental health and yeah. what are good healthy rhythms with that. Not that we're experts on that, that I'm an expert on it for sure. Um, that I'm not an expert is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's really important with mental health. All right, let me ask you this. How did you hear people talk about fear and anxiety growing up, particularly in the church? Yeah, so for me, I think I heard a lot of Sunday school answers to it, I guess, is hmm. is how I would frame it because it's it's sort of like stories of Joshua, like be strong and courageous. Sure. Um, and then also like, fear the Lord, which very much confused me. And then like, don't be afraid. Like Jesus says not to be afraid. And, um, but then where's that passage that talks about like the fear of the Lord at the beginning of wisdom or knowledge or something along those lines. Yeah. How do we, yeah. Yeah. It was very confusing for me, especially as a child, like a very concrete thinker, like to, hmm. to put all of those concepts of fear together I also, I think I've mentioned this before, but like as a child, I had very little recognition of my own feelings. So mm. like, I don't, I mean, I knew when I would get nervous for things, I guess, but I don't know that I was naming like things mm. I was actually afraid of. Yeah. So all of that kind of contributed to like, I don't know that I had a super clear concept on it. Yeah. And how it fit into scripture or mm. God or mm. my worldview. Yeah. I think for me, I was a really, 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 really scared little kid and big kid. And for a while, adult. <laughs> I was for a while really afraid that I was going to go to hell and that I didn't believe enough or that I prayed it wrong or didn't believe enough in the moment that I prayed or whatever it was, then I got afraid of like maybe somebody's hiding in my closet or underneath my bed or hit something in one of my drawers. So I checked them a bunch of times. Got afraid of germs. I had a lot of things that we'll talk about some of that later in the difference, I think, between clinical anxiety and just fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think some of the messaging I heard about fear, you know, I don't know how explicit all of it was and I don't know how much of it maybe I just didn't pick up on because I was a kid and didn't know what to define all these things are or how well I paid attention um, but you know sometimes that messaging of like do not be afraid which is in there or like faith over fear kind of stuff or basically if you're afraid take it to Jesus and I felt like I at least for a while I would do that at least with a good bit of things and I was like I, I, I'm I'm still, I'm still scared. <laughs> mm. uh, or it wasn't an immediate type thing. Like I remember uh, 
I was really, 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 really scared for a while. Um, and I think it was maybe eighth grade or something. I went to my mom and, you know, told her I was really just like terrified, like I couldn't sleep. Uh, like that if I died, I wasn't going to go to heaven or something along those lines. And she gave me a passage in the scriptures from Psalm 91 and just like um, talked to me for a while and encouraged me to read that. And I started reading it like every day. And I don't remember like a specific turning point, but I do know that that like spending time in the word and meditating on it like that um, really changed some of the things that I was afraid of. Not like a, hey, I took it to Jesus and I feel better, but like a, those words, like I read them so much, they, like, I memorized them. And if I was to start reading Psalm 91 again, I probably would be able to recite a good bit of it. Um, and I haven't read it every day in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. So um, I heard some good things in the church about fear, um, not letting it control you, you know, that type of thing. But, um, for you, how do you experience fear or anxiety, or would you distinguish between those at all? I would, for sure. Um, for me, anxiety plays out in like very much cannot sleep, hmm. um, which I'm a really good sleeper most of the time, so I know something's really bothering hmm. me if I'm anxious um, and can't sleep. and for whatever reason, I wake up specifically at 3 a.m. and, like, can't Whoa. go back to sleep. It's very weird. Um, and then my thoughts go 90 to nothing. So I will just, like, you can probably even hear it sometimes when I'm more anxious than others. Like, I will just rattle off a bunch of stuff. Hmm. Um, I know Daniel has experienced this. Sure. <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, what's going on? Um because I get very like, I don't know, I guess my, my nervous system probably amps up and mm. I like, I get very, maybe paranoid is the right word. Just like a lot of like, everybody's out to get me, nobody sure. likes me and here are all the examples why and can you believe and then this one look and this and that and this and that. Like it, mm. it gets very like, yeah, neurotic I guess. Hmm. Yeah. But my fear, like a legitimate, not that anxiety isn't legitimate, but I guess, I don't know if I have language for how to describe the difference, but I guess anxiety is typically driven by, for me, for circumstances that are going on that feel very out of control. Hmm. And so I... um I will go into that anxious response when I feel out of control. Sure. Um, but fear is more like, I can feel it in my body. Like if I, like if I'm up somewhere high, like on a mountain or something, I can't go anywhere near the edge. Huh. Like my, yeah, my legs yeah, yeah. will not even straighten fully. Hmm. And like my whole body just like, feels very weak and sure. like I get kind of dizzy and so that that fear but maybe that fear is also different than like stage fright or something where I'm mm. like if I'm nervous um before I go sing or before I go you know speak in front of people then like I don't breathe very deeply and so I get very yeah. like so I have to consciously like breathe in really deeply from my nose and then breathe out mm. through my mouth. Um, yeah, so my I guess I get really shallow mm. breath with the nervousness. Mm. But then like fear of things like there are definitely like drivers that I think that I have that like I'm I fear not being liked. And sure. so when I perceive in someone else like they don't like what I'm saying or they may not just, they may just not like me. I don't, I don't like that, but I will like tinker what I'm saying to get the response mm. that I think means that they're starting to like me. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> In a sense, it motivates you to do something different. Yes. I'm very quick to change something that I'm doing. Hmm. 
or I used to be more that way. Sure. I think, I think for me, you know, I mean, so if I'm thinking about fear, so my whole family, like the time I was young, enjoys watching like scary movies <laughs> and, and thrillers, which I recognize is kind of not what everybody does, but it's like what we did. Um, and I've joked before that like I could watch a thriller and be less anxious sometimes than if I watch The Office and Michael Scott does something that's really, really, really socially uncomfortable. Okay. Like that, like social anxiety, I I don't know that I would have labeled it as such until um, a mental health professional labeled it as such. Yeah, yeah, like social anxiety gets me. For me, I feel it uh, often in my stomach. Um, Like I remember when I was little, even before swim practice or something, I would be really nervous and it, it really affects my gut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can feel it in my in my body. It depends on what it is, you know. If it's like I'm having a not even talking about like anxiety attacks or anything along those lines, because that's runs in a can be related, but also can run in a different sort of thing. So my response in something like that is different than this like normal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's something that like is scary that's presenting right in front of me, that I can do something about it. Uh, I think I may have gotten this from my dad, who's an ER doctor, who like just can respond to things. Like I'm, I feel generally pretty able to respond and then be afraid um, afterwards of like, oh, I almost died. But like in the moment, I'm like, what do I have to do to make it through? And that just like yeah. fight instinct kind of clicks in. Uh, but I think I normally experiencing like fear. I feel it in my gut. Um, anxiety is a little bit more. Not necessarily low grade, but persistent. Yeah. Um, racing thoughts. Uh, I resonate with what you're saying about how my mind would just go, I mean, ridiculously fast. Mm-hmm. It makes it hard for me to talk mm. because my mind is running so, so quickly. And my mind normally runs like pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably even do it on this podcast where like my words, my, my mind is running a lot faster than my words do. Um, so anyways, I think those are a couple ways that, um, I experience it. Do you think fear has a purpose? And if so, what is it? Yeah. I mean, I think all emotions have a purpose. Mm. I think fear leads us towards seeking protection or safety Mm. a lot of times. Um, so like fear of something that's super hot. Like, this is going to be a sure. physical danger to me. Um, it's good to be like, I don't need to touch that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like when you, you know, you pull something out of the oven and you pull it out the wrong way. Like, your immediate response is like, <gasps> like, oh my gosh, I just, because. Yeah, I've you, burned myself many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So your body's like responding to being like, danger, danger. Yeah. In a, mm. And not just physical danger, but I think a lot of ways emotional danger or spiritual mm. danger as well. Um, so I do think it plays a, uh, a role in... Yeah. And we... I mean, just like all emotions, we have to figure out what it's indicating mm. to us specifically and whether it has to do with that present moment or something else, but... Yeah, something in the past or something like more biological that might be going yes. on um, or a range of... Or I didn't sleep well last night, so I'm on edge... Yes. And so those things can present similarly and you can find yourself feeling more agitated, more whatever. Right. Based on very physical things or your diet or... um, Yeah, I know people that um, they really can't drink a lot of caffeine or any caffeine because it ramps up their anxiety. I remember for a while, like if I had more than two cups of coffee, I would get like really, 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 really anxious. And it took me... Uh, I didn't realize when I first started feeling it because I was like, is this like an anxiety attack coming on again or something? Right. And then I was like, oh, no, my heart's beating fast and that's because I've had more caffeine than I'm used to. Yeah. And so those types of things um, affect us. So it's important to be uh, aware of it. But yeah, I think fear definitely has a purpose. I think fear can be bad. Sure. It also can be good. Sure. Um, as I think, you know, generally with um, emotions, I don't necessarily know that they're I don't know, always good or always bad. 
Yeah, I don't know that they have like a morality to them. Yeah, I know we're humans. And in we're their pure form. Designed yeah, in yeah. the image of God and we were created with emotions. Yes. Um, so I know fear can be a helpful response. Mm-hmm. Like it's good to be, you know, afraid of like, I don't want to touch this hot thing. Or if you don't know how to swim, like I'm not going to jump in the deep end of the pool. Right. Um, and same even with like, relationships or whatever hey like i know that when this happens this really starts to trigger some fear within me and this may or may not be this other person but i at least know how to be aware of it and be mindful of it it helps lead towards in its best way i think towards like a response or action now that action might be doing nothing mm-hmm. um not saying you always have to do something uh, but i think fear is meant to like propel us it gives us like a a burst of something, mm-hmm. um, whether that energy all goes to like, I can't move, um, or to, I need to run, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. Um, or fight back or whatever the thing is. So I, I want to make a quick note here that I've kind of alluded to distinguishing clinical anxiety and fear. Uh, I'm not, we're not uh, mental health professionals. Um, we're talking about it from the perspective of like what the scriptures teach and what we um, have experienced. Uh, but just as a person who uh, has been treated for clinical anxiety and social anxiety and a range of is a range of things, uh, be mindful as we're talking about fear and we're talking about anxiety that uh, sometimes uh, it can be really helped through. Um, I mean, arguably, always can be helped through things like prayer and reading scripture and working out and diet and sleep and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes the most like the best thing you can do is go see a physician um, and a therapist and talk through it and figure uh, that out. Um, for me, there were some like biological things that were going on. Um, and so that's been really, really, I mean, a game changer because I was trying to do all the right stuff that I was told to do and it wasn't fixing the problem. Uh, on the flip side, yeah, I mean, just know it's a, it's a holistic thing. Um, so just be mindful of that um, as we're talking about anxiety because we live in a very anxious time. Um, Sometimes it may not just be like biological. It could also be like an addiction to your smartphone. Um, But it also might not be full of the addiction to your smartphone. It might be biological or very likely it could be all the things. The brain also changes and there's a thing called neuroplasticity and I'm not going to get into all that stuff. But um, it's complicated. Um, Could be a trauma response. Could be trauma response. Could be PTSD. Yep. Absolutely. Stress. Um, Could be a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so be be mindful of that. Um, so with that, we're going to uh, talk about a passage in the Gospel of Matthew today. Um, and this is a story right after Jesus feeds um, 5,000 men plus women and kids. Um, this miraculous story of Jesus showing up in abundance. I mean, this is a story uh, beginning in verse 22 of chapter 14. I'm going to read it um, from the New Living Translation. It says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Well, he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. He said, Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called them, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed them. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they claimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. So, uh, starting question with that. Have you ever been on a boat when there was a storm? Or if not a boat, a car, in a car, or an airplane? Yes. Like a pretty bad one? What was it like? Well, first thing that comes to mind is like a car 
like when you're driving and it rain suddenly just downpours mm. and you can't really see out your windshield. It's pretty terrifying. Especially if you're on the interstate is very scary and very yeah. like disorienting and very like um yeah, you're trying to keep calm so that you can steer this like giant vehicle, mm-hmm. but like it's very hard to and you don't know what other people are doing around you either. So mm. Also, growing up, we had a boat, and so, yeah, I remember it. Like, those storms would roll through so quickly, and just, like, mm. when the rain's pelting at you and you're dodging, like, the lightning or something, and you're on the water, it's very scary. Yeah. So. I've had, uh, I've been on airplanes that experienced some turbulence before, and there's different ranges of, like, turbulence. Yeah. But I remember one in high school, like, it was, you know, knocking our drinks over um, and stuff, and that was pretty... It's pretty freaky. Oh yeah. When you're in something like that in a place that really is like largely speaking out of your control. Uh huh. I mean, I don't know what I could have done from my little. You're literally seat. like floating on air. It yeah. blows my mind. Yes. Yeah, it's wild. Um, what what do you imagine the disciples were like thinking and feeling in this story? Because they were just with Jesus, saw him do amazing things, right? Uh, but then Jesus insisted the disciples got onto the boat and crossed the um, to the other side of the lake. And the disciples are on the boat by themselves. I think the Gospel of John mentions that it was like three, probably three or four miles out um, at this time. Mm-hmm. So they're not like, I mean, I was a competitive swimmer, but that's not like real easy swimming distance, especially in a storm. <laughs> you should not jump into the water when it's storming. Also, <laughs> that's, that's probably... Also probably that, but... A good rule of thumb. I mean, my, my point is, like, they're far out. Like, yes. they're not close. It's not like if the ship, like, is capsized that you can really easily get back to the shore. Right. You're and out there. And they obviously did not have electricity and, like, lights to be able to see out mm. into the storm at all. So I imagine it was very dark. Mm. Um, unless lightning was kind of lighting up the sky every once in a while. But, like... Um, very turbulent. Uh, yeah, waves crashing. Yeah. Yeah, fighting heavy waves. I mean, we've probably all seen on TV that portrayed to some extent. With like a bucket of water, like yes. trying to dump it out of the, the ship yes. real quick. Yeah. 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 It's wild. Uh, Maybe even do, trying to stay in the boat if it's like sloshing. Sure. And you're in sandals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's You're not in rain boots. Or it's kind of wild. Um, and the sea is a odd place, right? I mean, if you think about like ancient depictions of the sea, and you think about people knew that people would go out on a boat, and then sometimes not come back. Yeah. What happened? Were they devoured by a sea monster? You know, it was like something crazy out there or people would come back and try to describe animals or like a giant squid or like whatever it is they saw and like would come back with these like descriptions of these things. The, the sea in a lot of ways, like in the ancient world, represents represents chaos, unknown. In Genesis 1, we see the spirit of God like hovering over the face of the deep or over the waters. God hovering over uh, chaos and spirit. Uh, speaking life into that um, that situation. Um, and interestingly, so uh, when I think of a boat in a storm, I'll be honest, my main thought is like thinking about the Titanic, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they actually found uh, remains of a boat on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, it could have fit probably about 15 men. Uh, so the boat the disciples would have been on probably would not have been that big. We're talking like maybe 26 to 28 feet long, uh, probably four and a half feet high and like seven and a half feet wide. So we're not talking like... Like a little fishing boat or something. We're not talking they're on a big old boat. Yeah. You know, they're on a not so huge boat um, without a motor. I mean, that probably goes without saying, but like we're not talking like this was something big that they're able to like you know, feel totally steady on. We're talking about something that I would imagine the waves are much bigger yeah. than the boat. Um, and so I think that, you know, I I, I would have been terrified. And, and I wonder, and I, I, I don't know, like I, I wonder if here um, they were like, why isn't Jesus 
here with us. Maybe they're too afraid to even think about that. Um, there's another story where Jesus is asleep on a boat, like during a, a storm, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, and so Jesus here walks on water, and we glance over this sometimes. But like the the disciples thought it's a ghost, mm-hmm. and man, I can't help but think if I was in their shoes, I would have thought something like that. Um. Yeah, none of us have any concept for someone walking on water. So, <laughs> That's how, like Chris Angel or some like yeah. magic stunt, you know, but not on a storm in the middle of the sea. Right, like the <laughs> whatever creatures out there is under the water, right? So they might jump out, but they're not going to be like literally just something is coming towards mm. you on top of water. Do you know this about the sea? Only 5% is like explored. Like ninety five percent of it is not, and that's like today. Like yeah. I sometimes on my like social media feeds will get those videos of like someone went to the bottom of this part of the ocean and like the fish and the weird things they saw. It's wild, the stuff they see is crazy, and we don't know. And how much less did they know? Like it really is unknown, chaotic, just like as the sea, and then you throw on like the storms. Mm-hmm. It's like unknown chaos evil destruction like all the things like colliding and so then here jesus comes walking on top of not just like chill like water but like storming so much storming that um and later on it says that peter saw the strong wind and the waves Um, and I heard uh, Pastor Brentwood Baptist, Mike Glenn, years ago, he was saying, man, I don't know how bad the wind has to be to be able to see it. But he was real scared because he saw the wind. <laughs> I mean, you're on the sea, so I mean, you can see waves and you can see sure. you can see other stuff, I think. But I thought that was fun. Like, it was bad. And Jesus is over here just like walking, walking along on that. Like, of course they thought, like, am I, are my eyes deceiving me? Yeah. Um, and he had to have been like fairly close to the boat for them to be able to see him. Because yeah, that's a good point. You can't see very far when it's dark and stormy. Yeah, and you're like probably, you know, according to John, like three to four miles out. Yeah. So like he'd been, did, did, did he spontaneously appear that close? Did he walk? Did he run the first part? Did he like have angels carry him the first part? I was like, all right, I got this last part. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's all speculation. I just, I don't know. But um, Jesus walking on the waters is like, it's miraculous, right, that he's doing it because, one, that's dope. Like, that's real cool that he's doing that. Uh, I would pay to go see that. You know what I mean? Uh, but, two, it's symbolic what he's doing because when he is walking over it, he is walking over the unknown, the chaos, the storms, the evil, the destruction, all the things that could potentially capsize your boat, lead to death, lead to destruction. He is walking over it. It's not just like, cool like walking on water um it's symbolic it's Mm -hmm. a i mean telling us what jesus is doing Mm -hmm. um and what's fascinating um to me is that jesus is walking over the storm um, and does that before even calming it and sometimes i think you know we think if we call on the name of jesus or if like jesus comes in when there's something crazy happening, it's all of a sudden just going to get calm. But Jesus was still just as much Jesus when he was there when the storm was raging as he was still as much Jesus when it stopped. And for me, that's uh, not always what I want, but it's certainly very encouraging because I often find myself or found myself many times in the place where it feels like a storm's raging. And this passage reminds me, Jesus is bigger, but also he's with us. And just because the storm's raging, that doesn't mean that he ceased to be God or that it means that I've ceased to be following him. Um, and with fear too, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. We don't know totally what all their emotions were. Um, but like with the disciples, they, I don't know. I imagine they were afraid. They certainly realized there was a storm. Like realizing that there's a storm or something big and bad that like has the potential to be very harmful and labeling that is not does not mean that you lack faith. You know, uh, no, it's that's, like a very real threat. Yeah, like to that, their lives. That should be an obvious statement, right? Yeah. But like, you know, sometimes this—not that it's bad. There's truth in this statement of like faith over fear, but like sometimes, at least for me, what that can—the subtext of that can imply—is like if I have faith, then there's not the things to be afraid of. 
Um, and the storm was still the storm. Also, I don't know. This isn't a fully fleshed out thought, but Jesus has all authority. Yes. So he's walking with a confidence that, like, we as humans, mm, good point, don't fully have because yes, we are connected to the being who has mm. all authority, but we don't get to control that authority, and it's mm. you know. I think that is part of it too. Like our fear comes from like how weak we actually are Sure. and realizing that, especially when you are like a tiny speck on a sea that's mm. swirling around you, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good, good point. Um, and when I've heard this sermon preached sometimes, uh, not like I've, I heard it preached a ridiculous number of times, but like, you know, oftentimes we talk about like stepping out on the water like Peter um, and his, you know, where he says uh, to the Lord, like to call him out <laughs> on the water, like, yes, come. Um, and then he goes out and then he starts walking on the water. And I imagine he's having waste splash on him. He's feeling all that stuff. Uh, but then he sees the strong wind and the waves and he's terrified and begins to sink and says, save me, Lord. Um, and oftentimes when I hear people talk about this, they talk about like taking a step of faith, stepping out onto the unknown, uh, and trusting Jesus and keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus and all that you do. When he like stopped looking, um, at Jesus, that's when, you know, this happens when he turns his eyes towards that other stuff. Um, and I don't think that's wrong. I think that can be a great message, but it's interesting. I was reading, um, I think I was reading in a commentary a while back, uh, that was talking about this passage and they pointed out, um, a couple things. They said, who is it that Jesus in this text criticizes for the lack of faith? He doesn't criticize the disciples. Hmm. Um, he does tell them to don't be afraid and take courage. He tells that to all of them in verse 27. But here he says in verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, referring to Peter. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And then when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And that's fascinating, right? Because we, we look at Peter as like, here's how to have faith. But I, I wonder um, if there's something about the faith of the, the disciples here, um, at least as portrayed in the Gospel of Matthew, that depicts this message of like, when the storm hits, don't abandon ship. Don't abandon ship when the storm hits. Uh, this commentary, um, if I'm remembering correctly, was pointing out that like at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, it ends with the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Um, and then if you fast forward into the book of Acts, uh, when Jesus ascends into heaven and then eventually like soon after sends the Holy Spirit, um, you have to wonder what they were feeling when Jesus ascended into heaven and was gone. And now they're on this sea of unknown and feeling like they're called to go and tell people mm -hmm. about Jesus, going to this new land to tell new people about who Jesus is. And if this message also is like, hey, no matter how bad things get on this ship that I've called you to be on, walking with me, telling people about me, following the Great Commandments and Great Commission, no matter how bad that gets, don't abandon ship. I will be with you. feels like I, you left me back here, but don't worry. I am here with you. Like the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep in Genesis chapter 1. Here is Jesus of Nazareth walking on top of the sea um, in Matthew chapter 14. Um, and so I, I think that's really beautiful and powerful to me when it comes to anxiety and fear because it's this reminder of like, hey, things are going to be terrible sometimes and there's going to be storms and you it's not for a lack of like not it's not always for you not doing what God has called you to do. Here the disciples were literally obeying Jesus and it led them into the storm. And, you know, I felt that. Like, I mean, starting a church, like it's like walk into it, knowing the Lord's called us to it, certainly led into storms. Don't abandon ship when the storm hits. And storms hitting is not necessarily a sign that you aren't trusting God enough. They actually were obeying God when they were on it. I I think what's so interesting, like, even if you were to stand still, like, a storm will eventually hit. Like, hmm. the question isn't whether or not a storm will hit. Like, storm will, hmm. storms will always hit in this life. 
Um, so there's, I think that's also important. Like, if you're scared to do what the Lord has called you to do because you feel like a storm might hit, like a storm can still hit while you're standing <laughs> still <laughs> and being That's a hesitant. good point. And, yeah. And um, mm. it's just like what we do with those storms and like how resilient we become mm. as we walk with the one who has authority over the storms. Mm. Yeah. And, and with that, like it's important. I think you mentioned this earlier, like the confidence and authority to do that doesn't come from like me being uber brave right in my own strength it comes from okay I, I know i can't do what he does but i know who he is i know he's good and i know he's powerful and i know he's bigger than this storm so my confidence isn't based in like um just me mm-hmm. you know and so i think that's important too when you feel fearful about something the lord has called you to do what i have to remind myself of is like who's the one calling me it's god feel like god's leading me to this and so even if i fail he's still gonna do what he do what he wants to do mm-hmm. um yeah and we will fail and like what do we do no with doubt. those failures you know yeah do we walk away and pack it all up or do we say okay mm. i'm gonna learn from my mistakes and i'm gonna try again mm. it says a lot about our character as well yeah that's true. But I, I think it's so funny, like, going back to Peter, because, like, in my brain, I just, like, every story about Peter, he just seems like he's so hard-charging, and then he just, like, thinks later, you know? Like, there's just, like, this yeah. energy to him that's like, oh, oh, exciting, Jesus is out there, here I am, I'm gonna just, I, I don't know, I'm gonna go meet him. Like, <laughs> Why? Why was that, like, what he decided to do? I don't know. I read Peter doing that, and I'm like, man, that sounds dope. Like, I would love to walk on water. That sounds so cool. But, like, in this moment, it's his gut reaction, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, this is how I'm going to prove it. Not, like, I need to do it. Not, like, just see Jesus do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, it's always funny to me that, you know, yeah, Jesus is like, all right, come on out. And then... And then Peter's like, oh, instant regret. Like, I regret my decisions. And <laughs> yeah, that's when Jesus is like, all right, you have little faith. Because first of all, he asked Jesus hmm. to come out. And then he, even though he asked for it, he got out there and was like, nope, I want to backtrack yeah. right now. Which that's a great, important message. If fear for, for you or anxiety for you, like it has for me, ever like, capsizes you yeah (laughs) like takes you down yeah the lord can still use it Mm -hmm. and use you and redeem it um and obviously once again there's a distinguishment between like just like from clinical anxiety and all that kind of stuff but um i know i've had anxiety attacks like i can't really do much yeah (laughs) um it's a very bodily um bodily response and the end result of this passage um in verse 34 uh, through 36, it talks about um, the word spreading quickly uh, throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. I can't help but think about early readers of this passage um, who were now living in the aftermath of Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven and were empowered by the Spirit of God this reminder that, hey, storms are going to hit and they may like feel like they're taking you down and some of you might not make it to see some of this fruit. Yeah. But here's the result. I, Jesus is like saying, I'm going to win. I'm going to bring people to know me. My name will be remembered. And that's so powerful and beautiful and I can't help but think like that had to be a really big encouragement to people who were in the midst of like what they felt like was a storm. Uh, on a boat three to four miles out from the sea or from the shore when Jesus told them to go and it feel like Jesus just abandoned them. We don't see that they thought Jesus abandoned them here, but I'm just speaking for myself. I might've been like, dang it, Jesus, like we really could have used you about now. (laughs) Do you think that's like, even in that statement, like I'm wondering, do you think they would have thought if Jesus were here, this wouldn't have happened? Were they in a place where they would have thought that? 
I'm not entirely um, entirely sure. It might depend on which gospel account you're reading. Yeah, Mark yeah, yeah, would yeah. be like, they don't get it. They don't get it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd have to. I'd have to check. Um, I don't want to speak. Yeah, to... I. Yeah, because I'm like, even in that, like, I think it's so hard because we have our concept of who we know Jesus sure. to be, and then we go back and say, even saying like, oh my gosh, it would be so cool to walk on water, like. Yeah, because we've known this story. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, if for you're sure. in the moment, you know, I don't... I mean, they just did see Jesus feed like 20,000 people. Sure. In a miraculous way. Um, but, I mean, it would have been, I mean, miraculous for Jesus to walk on... But, like, had they seen him command... The, the wind and the waves. And the um, weather and nature? I don't know that they had yet in the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, I just don't know... Wait, no, they had. Matthew 9. I take that back. Um, Matthew 9, 23 through 27. When Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, oh, shouting, wait, Lord, wait, wait. save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They said, even the wind and the waves obey him. I couldn't remember exactly where that story was, if it was before or after a different gospel, but um, this one's different because Jesus isn't there in the boat initially, that he sent them out. Like I I said, maybe like the disciples were sent out, um, and even in Acts 1-8, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the world. Um, Like they're sent out Mm -hmm. by God, and then... Hello. <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> and they didn't necessarily say that, but like storm hits, you know what I mean? So Hello. <laughs> ring ring ring. Ring ring ring. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you there? Somehow I got a cell phone and <laughs> in the year thirty AD. Um All right. Okay. Two 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 last questions to kind of wrap up our conversation today. Broadly speaking, how do you imagine Jesus responding when we are afraid? Mm, I don't know if I've ever imagined that before, but I mean, what we see in scripture and what we see here is He says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So mm. in other places in scripture, like in Second Timothy, where Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, um, but a spirit of power, I think he says. So I think, I don't know, maybe it's like a combo of like reminding us who Jesus is, like reminding, like him saying, I am. Hmm. I have all authority. I am God of all. But mm. also, like, we are made in the image, and he knows what it is to fear. Mm. So I think it's probably, like, a gentle, like, I'm here. Mm. I don't know. That was not a good answer mm. to this question. I no, don't know I think, that I have a good answer. I think that I think that hits on what I think, which is I think it depends. Yeah. I, I don't know that I can say this would always be what Jesus does, right? Because I think about uh, death and the fear of death, and I almost just got this picture of like Jesus. I mean, Jesus did take sin and death upon himself. Um, and I almost got this picture of Jesus, like, standing in front of a little kid um, and blocking them from death <laughs> um, and protecting them and offering eternal life, you know, for us who are children of God. So I see that. Um, I also see examples like this. Why did you doubt? Um, and maybe that's what Peter needs. Like, some people need to, like, hey, man, you got nothing to be afraid of. You're okay. For me, that's not... That's not usually, that's not always what I need. But for some people, I think it is. Yeah, maybe um, it depends on what we're fearing too and why yeah, we're fearing it. S- sometimes it's a stepping in and fixing it. Sometimes it's a, um, I also got this picture of like when I've had uh, anxiety attacks or like 
acute anxiety episodes uh and like i it takes over my body like curl into a ball kind of stuff to be open about it i mean i think about how my wife has responded to me um oftentimes in those moments which is sometimes to give me space if i need it but other times just to like sit there with me and be there with me not ask me to have it all be better right then um, and so for me, sometimes with fear, I imagine Jesus' response being like, you know, no matter how bad it gets, it's in Matthew chapter 28, um, I'll be with you until the end of the age. When things are good, I'll be with you. When they're bad, I'll be with you. When the storms hit, I'll be with you. When you feel like you're stuck in the middle of unknown and you don't know what's to come or if you're going to make it, I'll be with you. Um, does that mean everything happens like we want? No, it certainly does not. Um, I don't think that. And I don't think that's what the text is getting at. Um, but I do think that Jesus can be found in experience in the midst of fear, in the midst of turmoil, and not just when it's better. Yeah. And I think sometimes, depending on what the fear is, like I brought this book, 100 Days to Brave, that's Annie F. Downs, but she talks a lot about um, acting when you're scared. Hmm, sure. And so like bravery isn't not experiencing the fear or not being scared. Yeah. It's still taking action. Yeah, I mean, it would be bad if you never were afraid of anything. Yeah. You would do a lot of dumb things. Yeah, I mean, you can see that in people that mm. have a chemistry that, you know, their fear response is different than... Oh, yeah. I'm just, like, thinking that free climb guy. Like, something's oh, different yeah. that doesn't... Oh, yeah, that, that profession often ends up in death. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, how do you think we are to respond when we feel afraid? act when we're feeling fear yeah again i think it depends on what you're afraid of sure um because you're afraid of spiders don't go and like hold it in your hand yeah. you know what i mean or if you're afraid of like <laughs> necessarily an abuser or sure you know i don't think god is like face your fear go on back in there and just yeah you know i hmm. i think of like when you're talking about your calling and you're afraid of it um, but still stepping out and saying, all right, I don't know what this looks like, but yeah, I'm going to do the next thing. I'm going to do the next mm. right thing. I'm going to take the next little step, you know, cause it doesn't have to be like a big, bold, brash thing either. It can just no. be like today I am going to do this one step forward mm. and that's bravery and that's facing yeah. my fears. Um, hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think like when I think about my calling specifically and what it means to sing through fear, hmm. it, there's just something that changes in you that hmm. you can't really define, but praising and singing and, um, reminding yourself of who God is takes the focus off of yourself and off mm. of whatever it is you're fearing. And, mm. and really I do, I do think that's what Jesus is continually saying. Like, look at me. Mm. Um, yeah, because when we fear the world around us, like, if we remind ourselves that God has all authority over mm. it, then maybe it's not as scary. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'm reminded simple practice that might be helpful uh, as we kind of wrap up of this idea of like three seconds of courage. Hmm. You familiar with that at all? No. Um, so yep. if I do it every day, every day. Great. Um, <laughs> if you're ever like really afraid, Mm -hmm. of something like you're calling like hey I need to you know make this phone call that I don't want to make or whatever the thing is it only takes like three seconds of courage not always um, but like you know if it's a phone call right like if I start dialing the number alright I'm in I'm going for it or they're going to call me back <laughs> um, and so I think for me that's something that's like helpful you know because I mean, you mentioned like before singing um, and like there's nerves before you preach. And I've heard older pastors say like, that's good. It means that there's something worthwhile. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, there's a healthy 
side um, of it. And so the, for me, like that three seconds of courage thing is helpful. Or like I'm reminded of something my uncle said years ago that was not about fear, but I think it pertains. Um, he said, if something only takes you five minutes to do it, he said, just go ahead and do it. Um, as a someone who can struggle with procrastination, that helps. Like if it only takes five minutes to take out the trash, like, and you notice it needs to be done, just go ahead and do it. Um, and I think with fear too, like sometimes the like undergirding anxiety and the longer we sit with it, the scarier it gets. But once you take that step and it's just even like selfishly, not even like spiritually, like you can just get over it quicker. <laughs> not always. Sometimes it's not going to fix it, but like, I don't know if I'm, no, I'm going to cliff jump and I'm not recommending this. Um, Carly's like, I don't want to do that. I know I'm not going to cliff jump. But like if I stand, the longer I stand there, the scared, more scared I'm going to get. And I want to look and make sure I'm, you know, I'm not going to be the first dude who jumps. Uh, <laughs> and I haven't done it in a long time. But like the longer I stand there, the more scared I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. And so that like sometimes that, that three seconds of courage, one, two, three, and you go. Tell someone about Jesus. One, two, three. And it's out there. And like Peter, you know, even here, um, it says that he stepped into the water. I don't imagine him like jumping over the boat. Like he put one foot out, you know, and then had to go. <laughs> um, and I think that's true for us too, you know? Yeah, it's like Peter's three seconds of courage starting to do a lot of like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> oops, I did it again. <laughs> yeah, back, back backtrack. Um yeah. So when you're afraid, I mean, simple answer is take it to Jesus. But the bigger thing is like, um, no, he's with you. And also when it comes to fear and anxiety, taking it to Jesus also means like talking about it with other people. <laughs> um, maybe seeing a therapist, maybe seeing a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a whole range of all the things. But Jesus sees you and understands and hasn't forgotten you, even though sometimes in the midst of the storm, it can feel like he has. Yeah, I'm thinking over like three words right now, which is gumption, resilience, and then, oh, I forgot the third word already, determination. Hmm. And so I do think there are things that lead you towards that three seconds of bravery maybe hmm. too. Yeah. Um. Because resilience is even, I I would think, is even though I know why I have this fear or something has happened in the past, I will learn how to still stand back up again and Mm. face it again. And then, like, gumption and determination, I guess, kind of go hand in hand. Just like this, like, a fighter sort of battle. Yeah. Here I go, you know. I got to do it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. Gotta do it. Gonna do it. Like, yeah. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. I, we're really in it now. That's often what I think yeah. when I do it. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can feel fear. I mean, with the disciples too, right? Like while they're on the journey, like and while you're working and while you're doing the things. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's to and be sometimes expected. sometimes it'll pass. Yeah. Too. That's true. Hopefully it does. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of our uh, Jesus and Mental Health series. We hope and pray it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions about faith, uh, mental health, or anything like that, feel free to DM us or uh, email us at info at newcitynash.com. We'd love to um, help answer your questions. Or if we just said weird things and you disagree, let us know. Or if we can clarify anything. Let us know that too. Uh, But we hope and pray uh, God blesses you and that you notice this week Jesus meeting you wherever you are.